I'm Jeremy Henson, and this is Living Unleashed. Welcome back. I am Jeremy, and this is episode 12 of the Living Unleashed podcast, where we are awakened to the reality of a passionate life filled with hope, joy, peace, and freedom. In short, the abundant life that Jesus promises. Today's podcast episode is our special edition for the weekend. The weekend recording is a little longer because it is a message or workshop teaching that I have recorded. Today's message is entitled, What is Your Story? In it, we look at the encounters that two different people have with Jesus in the New Testament and how that gives them different stories. Although their stories are unique and different, both share their story with others and lives are transformed. I hope you enjoy and keep on living unleashed. Mark 5, starting in verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby lakeside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told, told, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. <laughs> Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. 
Let us pray. Ah, dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this, the reading of your holy word. I ask, O God, that in these next few moments that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, this account of the demoniac and Jesus is a really familiar account to lots of folks. I know that I've touched on it uh, once or twice over the course of the years myself. Uh, so I want to, I don't want to spend too much time building the story out, but we have to spend a little bit of time to get so that we understand our point. And, and here's what I want you to hear about this man that had lead the legion of demons. His life was a shambles. I mean, can we agree on that? I mean, his life was an absolute shambles. He, he was no longer part of the community around him. He was no longer uh, welcomed. Uh, apparently didn't even want to be. I mean, he spent his time in the hillsides crying out and inflicting pain upon himself. I mean, he wasn't even civil. He was just this, almost this wild beast. All attempts to help him had failed. They had tried to shackle him and chain him. And they had tried to hold on to him, as, you know, just guys grabbing on to him. Nothing worked. He tore the chains and shackles. He, he could not be subdued. All attempts, all attempts to get into his life failed and failed miserably. You hear that? I mean, it all just failed and failed miserably. His life was an absolute mess. You can't get much messier than his life, right? You just can't get much messier than his life. His life was an absolute shambles, an absolute mess. And then here comes Jesus. Jesus walks into the picture. And we have this exchange where Jesus has told the demon to leave. The demon protests and, and, and says, I'm not going to go. And I, I, I'm, uh, um, I, I just, you, you're not supposed, you can't torture me yet. It's not that time and, and the like. And so what happens? Well, Jesus says, so what's your name? Well, our name is Legion, for we are many. I mean, that just highlights the death of his problem, doesn't it? It just highlights the depth of his problem because it is a mess. His life is a mess. You, you know, the continued exchange, the demons don't want to have to leave the area. Jesus casts them instead into a herd of pigs and the demons cause the herd of pigs to go down the hill and drown. But the man, the man is now sitting at Jesus' In his right mind. The mess is gone. The shambles is gone. He's sitting there in his right mind. He's calm. Life, his life has been transformed in an instant. I mean, this is what, you know, we oftentimes speak of Paul's um, encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. That, I mean, he had a Damascus Road experience, didn't he? It was immediate. It was miraculous. It was big. It was flashy. I mean, it made headlines. Because here all the people from some of the surrounding towns come out to see what has happened. 
is so miraculous, so powerful, so awesome that they're afraid and they ask Jesus to leave. See, sometimes when we encounter Jesus and we see what he can really do, instead of inciting within us amazement, as is oftentimes the reaction when Jesus does something really awesome, this time they're afraid. They ask Jesus to leave. But here's the part. Here, here's, the, here's the catch. The man goes to try to get into the boat with Jesus as he's leaving. And Jesus tells him not to come. He tells him to instead to go back and tell his family and friends what the Lord has done for you and how he has shown you great mercy. And it says that he went back to the Decapolis. Now, the Decapolis was not one place. The region was known as the Decapolis because there were 10 cities in rather close proximity for that day and age together. They, they, and, and, and so he went back. He didn't just go back to his village. It says he went to the Decapolis. This man was so, I mean, can you imagine what you would feel like if God had, had drugged you out of that deep of a pit? Had, 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 had caused that big of a miracle to happen in your life? It says he went to the Decapolis. He started going from town to town to tell people about what Jesus had done, with it, done for him. Isn't that awesome? That's how moved he was. Because, see, he had a story. He had a story because he had encountered Jesus. And Jesus had in, in intersected his life. And it changed the direction of his life. It changed what was going on. It changed his problems. It changed his crisis. It changed his chaos. It changed the shambles of his life. And he couldn't wait to go tell others. And, and, and it says, and the people were amazed. Why? Because he carried the story of his encounter with Jesus and the transformation that came with that to others. And, and he was, you think he was excited when he went and told others? I mean, do you think when he went and told others he showed him the scars from where he had hurt himself and from where he had been shackled and broken off. You see, you see all of this on my arms? You see where the shackles had been but where I tore them off and I messed up the, the flesh and the skin and the scars? I used to be shackled and they used to try to bind me, but Jesus came into my life. And look at me now. You think, I mean, do you think he told that with a little fervor? You think he told that with a little fervor? Right? Because this awesome and amazing thing happened. You see, when Jesus comes into our life, he does awesome and amazing things. And the reaction, the reaction is to be that kind of reaction that says, I can't wait to tell somebody else about what Jesus has been doing inside of me. I can't wait to tell somebody else about how Jesus has transformed me. Now, I can already hear your objections. Many of you sitting here will say, well, I, had, I never had a Damascus Road kind of experience, you know. I was never in that kind of bondage. I mean, my experience of Jesus and the church, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, not a, a I'm not a recovering drug addict or I'm not a recovering alcoholic or I wasn't one, once, you know, uh, out boosting cars. And now, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I just, you know, I just, it's just not really that, that. Exciting! Ah, so let me tell you another story. 
Go to John chapter 4. Now, I'm not going to read the whole account to you, but I am going to tell it to you. But you can flip over to John chapter 4 because we will get to a point where I'm going to read you some verses. Jesus is traveling. And as he's traveling, he decides to take a shortcut through Samaria. Now, the two points Jesus wanted to travel from and to, the shortest distance was to go through Samaria. But a good Jew would not do that. A good Jew would travel out of their way to go around Samaria. Because a good Jew would not be caught dead in Samaria. Okay? But not Jesus. Jesus takes his disciples. He said, hey guys, let's take a shortcut. And they go smack dab through the middle of Samaria. As they're going, they come to a town. Jesus is tired and he's hungry, and so he sends the disciples to go on into the town to buy food. While he himself stays outside of town, sitting by the well. <laughs> it's the middle of the day, but here comes a woman with a jar needing to draw water. Now, what's unusual about that is that you drew water of the morning and you drew water of an evening, but you didn't usually come and draw water in the middle of the day. But it's not very long into Jesus' conversation with this woman that we discover why she was there to draw water in the middle of the day. Well, she had been married a lot of times. And she was kind of the, you know, that person in the community that nobody wanted to be around. She had been ostracized, cast out. So she didn't come to the well of a morning when all the other women came because, well, they probably didn't treat her very well. So instead, she came in the middle of the day when it was hottest so that she could get water. She comes across Jesus and Jesus, because Jesus just all is always breaking social protocol. I mean, he's already taken a shortcut through Samaria, but now there's a woman coming to the well. A Jewish man did not speak to a woman out that was not like his own wife out in public. You just didn't. You didn't approach and speak to a woman. That, I'm not here to debate the merits of that. That's just the way it was in that day and age. You also, a Jew, would not speak to a Samaritan, period, publicly or privately. So the fact that this woman comes out to the well and Jesus speaks to her and says, may I have a drink? Now, she's a Samaritan, so she's unclean. Therefore, the water she's drawing and touches is now unclean. So Jesus has broke now a religious taboo. Okay? So he's in Samaria. Shouldn't be there. He speaks to a woman in public. That's a total no-no. That woman's a Samaritan. Oh, my goodness. And now he asks for that person, this Samaritan woman, to give him a drink, which means the water he's about to take in is religiously and ceremonially unclean. And Jesus just throws everything out the window, doesn't he? You remember the exchange. They start talking about water and living water. And he starts telling her, I have water that you don't know about. And if you asked me for a drink, you would never thirst again. And he goes on to tell her, you know, I, I know who you are. You've actually been married seven times. And the guy you're with right now, you're not even married to have this exchange. And so what happens out of that exchange? Well, if you go on over 
and start in verse 27. You find out the disciples return. And their first question is, why are you talking with her? All right, so then in verse 28 says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now, the next few verses, Jesus has a, uh, a conversation with the disciples about having something to eat. And did somebody bring you something? But uh, I want you to go on to verse 39 because that's not relevant to our conversation right now. In verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and stay. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. You hear that? So what happened? She goes into town. She's had an encounter with Jesus. She now has a story. Now, did you notice that nothing really miraculous took place? I mean, Jesus knew who she was. He knew her heart. So, I mean, there's a miracle of knowledge here. But there's nothing flashy, right? There's no great driving out of demons. There's no great feeding of the multitudes. There's no physical restoration of the blind seeing or the deaf hearing or the mute speaking or the lame walking or the leper being cleansed, right? It's just a conversation. You couldn't classify the Samaritan's woman's moment with Jesus as a Damascus Road type of experience, could you? It really seems pretty normal. I mean, other than the fact that she's talking to the Son of God. I mean, I, I don't want to minimize that, but it, there's nothing flashy. And so what does she run back to tell? She doesn't run back to the town and say, look, I'm walking and I couldn't walk. Or look, I could see, but I couldn't see. He just says, come and see a man who knows everything I've ever done. That was it. That was her story. That was her testimony. But what happened? Because she had had an authentic encounter with Jesus, and because she took that encounter and she shared it with others, they still respond. Now, that's what, what did we talk about last week? Uh, Y'all don't remember what we talked about last week? The Holy Spirit. All right. We're going to go back to last week's sermon, man. All right. We talked about the Holy Spirit. That's just the Holy Spirit moment. These people respond not because... The woman's encounter was this great, big, supernatural miracle like Jesus was known to perform. But because she had a real, authentic encounter with Jesus. You see, our encounters with Jesus don't have to be these big blazing light moments. It just has to be us authentically encountering Jesus and then sharing that with someone else. It doesn't have to be 
The Lord, you know, took me off skid row. It can just simply be I got up this morning feeling really just heavy and confused. But, you know, I took time, even though I was tempted not to. I took time to spend with Jesus and read some scripture and prayed. And, you know, that changed the course of my day. That's my story. But do you know what happens if you start sharing that with someone? It says that the people came out and they wanted to see him. They were so impressed by what this woman said. They asked Jesus to stay for two days. Or to say it. He chose to stay for two days. Now, now, this, now you have Samaritans. Because the Samaritans didn't want any more to do with a Jew than a Jew wanted to do with the Samaritan. So now you have the Samaritans so moved that they asked a Jewish rabbi and his Jewish disciples to stay in their community. You see? That's how impressed they were by it. And when Jesus leaves, they tell the woman, you know, we first believe based on your story. You hear that? But now we have seen for ourselves. What happened? Well, all the rest of those people had an authentic encounter with Jesus. But how did they get there? What was the gate through which they got to that authentic encounter with Jesus? The woman's story. This is how the gospel spreads. This is how the gospel spreads. You see, the gospel spreading has always been an organic grassroots kind of spreading. We have come as the church so to depend on things like big crusades and, and all these, and then whatever we can do in this room to try to, to, to share the gospel. The problem is we live in a, a culture today that isn't interested in coming here, but they're still just as hungry and they're still just as hurting. And what they need is not a really good sermon. What they need is someone in their lives who has had an authentic encounter with Jesus, who is so excited and so moved by that encounter that they share it so that the Holy Spirit can use that as the door or the gateway for them to have an authentic encounter with Jesus. Then they'll be interested in coming here. You have a story. Some of you sitting here may have Damascus Road type of stories. You may have those moments where, where God performed an absolute miracle in your life. That The very fact that you're sitting here is a testimony to this happened. Many of you sitting here may be like the Samaritan woman. You don't have anything flashy. You can't pinpoint a, this wonderful, awesome, miraculous miracle. This, this lights and, 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 and fireworks and all that. But you still have an authentic encounter with Jesus you have a story and you may never whether you had the Damascus Road experience or the run of the mill if you would allow me to say experience you may never stand in a spot like this and that's totally cool the scriptures were not built upon the people who stood in spots like this. The scriptures and the story of the New Testament church was built on the people who had authentic encounters with Jesus because they were with other people who had, had authentic encounters with Jesus. And they couldn't wait to tell others. And that became the door through which the Holy Spirit moved in more lives. So are you telling your story? Don't tell me you don't have a story. 
It doesn't matter how flashy the story is. Are you telling your story? You see, because the, the, the effectiveness of the story is not based on how good of a storyteller you are, or it's not based on how exciting the story may seem to you. That's just the enemy working to try to keep you quiet. The effectiveness of the story is based on the Holy Spirit who will move. And you don't know what the Spirit's doing in someone else's life. You don't know how much that little, what you may seem as just a drop in the bucket of what you have to say and what you have to share. That may be all that it takes to tilt the scales. But the Holy Spirit has been working on and in that person for days or weeks or months or years. And all the Holy Spirit is waiting is for one faithful person to share their story. So that that person's life can be changed. That's all it's waiting. That's all the Holy Spirit's waiting on. You, do you know how? Have you ever gotten frustrated when things aren't going right and you can't get people to come together and do what you need them to do or want to? Do you know how frustrated we must make the Holy Spirit? Do you know how many moments that the Holy Spirit's been there nudging or pushing that? I just need one more. Come on, you can do it. You've got a story, and you walked away, and the Holy Spirit's less exasperated. Says, Shh, now I gotta work with someone else. You don't know who you're going to come across today that is just one drop in their bucket away from having an authentic experience of Jesus Christ and coming to know what salvation in him means and what new life in him means. And all it takes is your story. Your story. That's all it takes. You see, it's not about how good of a storyteller you are. That's the beauty of this. This is what we call grace. God is not dependent on your ability to articulate. Moses tried to use that excuse. Lord, I can't speak. Don't worry, I'll be with you. Jesus told the disciples, and when it comes time that you have to stand up and give testimony, don't worry about the words you will use, for the Holy Spirit will work in you. You don't have to worry. You're, there's no pressure on you. To, to know what to say. That's the enemy. Trying, oh man, you don't know what to say. Why? Because the enemy knows that your weakest, feeblest, most stumbling words are powerful when they're in the hands of the Holy Spirit. You didn't get that, did you? Your weakest, feeblest, most pathetic attempts at sharing your story are powerful in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And the enemy knows he can't stop that. So all he can do is try to keep you from opening your mouth to begin with. And so that's what he'll try to do. It is not dependent on you convincing the other person. Praise God. Conviction is the responsibility of the Holy Spirit, not me. It's not my job to convict you. It's just my job to share the good news. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do the convicting. And if you resist, that's not saying anything about me. That's between you and God. Remember, remember Samuel when he was all, all, all bummed out and he came to God and said, the people want a king. I'm sorry, Lord, I failed. God said, whoa, they haven't rejected you. This is between their heart and me. They rejected me. It's not your job to convict. You don't have to twist an arm or push or press. You just 
have to open your mouth and share the authentic encounter you've had with Jesus and trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest. And maybe your story is not the drop in the bucket that will tip the scales, but it's one more drop in that bucket the Holy Spirit's going to use until that person finally does come to see Jesus. And it may be someone else's story. So if they don't, if they don't respond or react, that's okay. You don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to use that moment in a chain event with other moments that's going to do something in that person's life. And that's not up to you. Do you feel that freedom? It's not up to you. You don't win souls. The Holy Spirit does. You just be faithful to tell your story. Be faithful to proclaim it. The Holy Spirit does the work. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that free? But here's the point. The Holy Spirit can't do nothing with that if you don't offer it. That's why the enemy will try to keep you quiet. The enemy will try to stifle you. The enemy will try to confuse you. The enemy will try to tell you they're going to laugh at you. The enemy will try to tell you it's not going to matter. The enemy will tell you, try to tell you you don't have a good story. The enemy will try to convince you that nothing grand's ever happened in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see the grandness of what God has done in your life. Do you still have problems in your life? Well, yeah. So do I. But that doesn't mean Jesus hasn't done some awesome and powerful things. So tell your story. Now, next week, we're going to talk more about telling our story. I want to offer you some, some tools to help you do that. To make you see how much easier I, I can make it. But I want you to be thinking this coming week about what's my story. What, what has Jesus done for me? And don't count on yourself to recall it. Invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, show me what is my story. Show me what it is that you want me to share with others. To be able to tell others about what you've done in my life. And then I'll just do it and I'll leave it up to you to use it however you use it. I'll just leave it up to you to do with whatever you want to do with it. But Holy Spirit, show me my story.